Welcome to the Corporate Legal Ops Consortium podcast, where we dive deep into conversations with technology and legal ops thought leaders from across the ecosystem. This is Clock Talk. I'm your host, Jen McCarran. I'm on the board of directors at Clock, and I lead the Netflix legal operations and technology team. On this episode, we're back at Clock's 2023 EMEA Summit in London, where I'm joined by guest Amy McConnell, head of legal operations and business contracting at Vodafone, based in the United Kingdom. We get into the perennial topic of contract lifecycle management and compare notes on our methods for making these tech tools work for the humans versus only trying to get humans to use the tools. Because true success Putting in contract lifecycle tech takes time and a lot of work. So don't get despondent, Legal Ops. Hope you enjoy the episode. Amy McConnell, welcome to Clock Talk. Thank you. Amy McConnell, MCC. MCC. I'm an MCC as Jen McCarran, and it's so nice to meet another MCC. It is nice. I do get called McDonald quite a lot. I bet you do. Yeah. Yeah, I get macaroon. (laughs) A lot. And I'm like, no, I am not that neat little French cookie thing. And not only are you an MCC, but you are a double N and a double L. Yeah. It's got a nice tune to it, I find. So when you were spelling your name out for people, do you go double N, double L? I do. Oh, see. Yeah. My parents always said MCC, A, double R, O, N. And in true contrarian form, I was like, I'm never going to do that. So I annoyingly in adult life spell out RR and it's hard to say. Why don't you say double R? <sighs> you know, it's, it's, it's raging becoming, against the machine. That's raging against the machine. Mm-hmm. I'm becoming my parents, Amy, M-C-C-O-N-N-E-L-L. You see, it's uh, nice. I might start doing M-C-C-A-R-R-O-N. Yeah, I think so. This is really fun because we've never met formally. No, never met. We you just jumping in the podcast. So literally, I went into a meeting room <laughs> and someone said there's a podcast gap. And I looked slightly panicked and suggested that maybe I needed to prepare for yeah, a podcast. No. And then I was funneled into this room and someone put this headset on. Yeah, so here, here I am. Here you are. Yeah. And at the risk of messing up your hair, you were head of legal ops and business contracting at Vodafone. That's it. That's exactly what I do. That is your title. Yeah, it's long, isn't it? Sometimes when I sign contracts, I don't add the bit at the end. I just get tired of it. What do you write? I just write the head of legal ops. You just do your MCCO double N E double L head of legal ops. Yeah, it's long. Amazing. Are you a lawyer? I am. You are. I am. Special breed. You forked and did legal ops, but then said, but I can still run business contracts. Exactly. Then it came back and I had to remember what it was like to be a lawyer. Yes. So, I mean, I trained in-house actually. So a number of years ago now, maybe I should have gone into private practice first. I did. I often wonder that afterwards just to get the experience, but I was always attracted to going into in-house. I think I just like the idea of sort of working within the business. Yeah. It's always appealed to me. So yeah, I trained in-house. And then moved to Vodafone. I have to pause to say this. 17 years ago. Oh, wow. I know. Wow. That's like an old teenager. It is. Yeah. Good for you. I mean, I bet you know where all the bodies are buried (laughs) in those business contracts. Yeah. And that is the problem is that having been somewhere for such a long time and being a lawyer and negotiating different contracts and things and organizing new ways of doing things, they come back to you after a while. And I think back around. 
who did this? Who did and this? I think, and you're mm, like, well, that would be me. <laughs> 17 years. How many contract management solutions have you seen in your run of 17 years? Only really one, which what? is the what yeah, I know. But we did have, which we've been developing for the past eight years. But before that, we did have two runs at document management systems. Both of them failed. And we're still trying to sort that one. Doc management in-house is it's like a haunted mansion. Yes, it certainly was for us. I mean, for ages, we wouldn't even talk. It was sort of, you couldn't even talk about document management because we had spent money, failed twice, and now it was just, you can't mention it. Funny, I'm in a moratorium on saying the words document management where I work as well, giving people a break after a couple of pilots, seeing if the product fit their workflows. TLDR, they don't. Moving on. <laughs> okay, so one contract management, a few doc management attempts or solutions in there. And wow, one over 17 years. Yep. I'm curious about that. When I was at Cisco, we were heading towards our third or fourth over a 10 year span. So maybe that's where you went. Well, I don't want to assume you went wrong. Maybe that's where you went right. I don't know. Let's just- I think moving through tech teaches you what it's really, how to do it better the next time. And you bring all of that knowledge forward, but that's not to say, you know, nothing. From our perspective, we implemented our contract lifecycle management started the journey probably seven, eight years ago now. And what we found is obviously you sold the dream, yes. of course. And then you're living the reality yes. every day. But actually working consistently and iteratively improving things has actually given us quite a lot. And we've worked with other suppliers to add bolt-ons to things that, you know, our original supplier yeah. didn't specialize in. And even that experience has told us that actually nothing's perfect when you implement it. And it takes quite a long time to get it to a level where people are really actually happy, used to using it. You can see the benefit, you've got the data trend. So switching, we have had, we've debated many times, sort of the stick or twist approach, but in the main stuck and continue improving rather than almost going back to the beginning and then having to go through that process again. It's not, doesn't mean to say we won't twist in the future. Things are certainly changing, aren't they? I mean, gosh, talking so much about AI is really a race to are who can harness about, that. Are we talking about AI? I mean, once or twice someone mentioned it to me, but I don't know. Perhaps it's just me. I'm not sure. Wait, I, we were supposed to get face tattoos for this clock summit <laughs> that was a teardrop and inside the tear it said AI. Because that's, that's- What how, was that representing then? Sort of- hip hop, thug life, and <laughs> the new language we're all speaking. Every single podcast of ours, most of our stage topics and sessions are, we're talking about it. It's the topic it's of the, the topic moment. topic of the moment. It's a seismic shift. But I'm, as I said to someone in a previous podcast, I'm trying to bring good old CLM back in the okay, convo. Let's bring, yeah, okay. So you're bringing it in strong. And I like what you said, the stick or twist thought analysis is, do you stick with something do you stick through a technology and try to maximize your team's and stakeholder utility of this tool? Or do you twist and go back to ground zero and implement new and have that journey of adoption stacked in front of you? It takes years. If you had to guess, you're on a good journey here, seven to eight years. How many years has it taken you to get to a point where you're satisfied 
with the CLM serving the needs of the business? Yeah, yes, absolutely. Like, yeah. like three? Yeah, three or four, three I think. Three or four. Yeah. That is so key for people, especially so many of our listeners and members are newer in field and slow down, enjoy the scenery. Like it's really a time adaptive thing to get the humans changed and using this. Yeah. And, and just improving the tool. I mean, none of these tools work amazingly for what you want it to do from day one. And it's, it is recognizing that. And when we implement new things that sit on, which might be other vendors that we integrate with, it's the Gartner hype cycle, but we always know that we get the interest, we launch it and then there's a dip and people stop using it and they don't use it in the best way. Now we know with time and effort, we can produce the result we want to, but it takes time. It's none of these things are magic solutions, overnight successes. They are a lot of hard work of implementing and improving. That's essentially what we've learned. So we don't get despondent now. We know where we are. Despondency be gone. Yeah. It's CLM. <laughs> well, this is what we tell ourselves, yeah. you see. Of course, you can say, yeah, no, let's not get despondent. This is what we tell ourselves. We know this. We know we'll get there in the end, but it's going to take a, a lot of work to do it. It takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of time also to change the people's yep. perceptions of yep. all of this and to hear what they don't like about the tool or the workflow and really honor that while knowing okay, you, you might not be able to change that feature. I, I assume it's a third-party product that yes. you guys yep. licensed and Absolutely. brought in. Yep. And you don't just get to go to the third-party vendor and say, change this button or this layout or the color, like the things that sometimes you hear. So you have to really hear that stuff and yep. wear it while saying, great, now you're going to hit that button anyway. Yeah, and that is challenging because in order to improve that tool, you really do need the users of the tool to give feedback. Now, quite a lot of people, you know, their main job is negotiating contracts, providing legal advice. Something might irritate them, but actually it's hard to find the time to feed that back. We're all like that. That's just human nature. So first of all, you've got to get them to give the feedback. And then when they give the feedback, as you've just said, nine times out of 10, you might not be able to change that. But you don't want that to stop them giving the feedback in the future because we might well be able to be changing that. So that's also a, a challenge. Yeah, how to elicit that feedback, hear it empathetically, hold it, and not know if you can actually ever improve on every single thing, but you got to hold it and have a face like infinite hope. And I'm always listening and just looking out in the future and inspiring them to continue on using the tool Following Giving the feedback. T- Absolutely. Yeah. Here's a question I wonder, and I've asked on other podcasts, and I'm curious your opinion because you lead the ops and the business contracting function. So that's two arms, really. You are outside the four walls of the contract with tooling, workflow, maybe how these things move across from deal through signed and filed. And then you must have people inside the contract looking at clauses, or maybe you've made playbooks. Who is CLM impacting more in your eyes? Is it lawyers drafting or is it your paralegal, legal professional contract management staff? Oh, whose lives else. or someone else? You know, or answer that. Whose yeah. lives is this tool impacting positively the most? That's an interesting question. Because when we first implemented the tool, 
in order to get the business case signed off, you actually have to look at the much broader benefits than the legal team because yes. we weren't succeeding in just saying this is going to help the lawyers. So really had to focus on the data that we could get out of the tool and in particular for our business, giving really great data to our salespeople on renewals so they can be proactive, speeding up the time to contract so that we can bring revenue quicker. So those things, I mean, that's benefiting the whole business. That's our value add and the data we get from the tool it is really fantastic. And that's what over the seven, eight years we've been able to do because it's a consistent way of working. So the consistent data and see the trends over time. From the lawyer's perspective, a different part of the tool probably changed their way of work. So we've got, say, 50 contract lawyers all in different regions. Imagine that scenario, which many in-house teams have, where you're getting your instruction from an email and who's best to support this contract? Well, I'll pick it up then because it's come to me. And I'm a senior lawyer, but this is a minor amendment, but I'll do it because it's quicker than getting someone else to explain it to. That, that really that, gets my goat. Yeah, when, I, when I see a senior lawyer or VP doing an NDA, I'm like, no, no, bro, don't do it, bro. <laughs> exactly. So you need a system to essentially to funnel the work to the right people. Yeah. So we have our interns that actually where we need to look at an NDA there to do it. And we can funnel the right work to our senior lawyers. So that's probably the other huge change, which benefited the legal team themselves, as well as keeping all our contracts in one place so we can everyone in the business can find the thing. Wow. So your NDAs, you just skipped over all the contract management and you said the interns will help with this. So kind of cool. You're getting interns into an agreement in the business and every engagement by a salesperson to a potential customer is going to need an NDA. High volume. High volume. Yep. And we self-serve that where we can, pre-signed. Okay. But if a customer wants their NDA, sometimes our salespeople will say yes to that. So we'll do a, a quick review, look at five key risks and then good to go. So benefits to the business, check, data, check, business case, value prop, lawyers, check. Does it CLM benefit lawyers legal professionals more in terms of life-changing tech. My hypothesis is it hits at the legal professional level in a bigger, more resounding way because of how it can change their workflows or the ceiling on their work or growth potential. Have you seen that in your business contracting function there? Kind of the, the shape of the paralegal changing or the shape of the contract manager changing because there's tech or workflow around them. And that combined with all the other bits and pieces. So it's the really easy to navigate playbooks, the alternative clauses that absolutely enables people across, you know, different levels of experience to be able to do more sophisticated stuff because they've got the tools at their fingertips to do it. Yes. I love that. And that's a lot of the promise I talk to those folks about. It's not about displacing. It is about automating, Yeah, but it's about automating portions of your work that you shouldn't be doing. You should be solving more problems or negotiating higher risk contracts. Like the work can get start to get democratized the more we're playbooked out and relying on some automation to move it along. I mean, and I haven't met another legal department that hasn't got too much work coming in. So uh, yeah, it, it's a no brainer to take off. Some it's of that a no brainer. Amy, it's fascinating. Switching gears. Yeah. You are a member of Clocks. New European advisor. I am a newly a new member, just two or three weeks in. Two or three weeks in. So have you figured everything out Absolutely. and solved the Euro- European strategy? No. No. Sorry. No. It's a, 
at least you're being brutally honest. I know you guys got together and maybe had an initial meet and greet. We did. And starting to just get your minds wrapped around the opportunity that we have in Europe to have more presence and drive more community. Europe is our, we're pretty well defined in the U.S. and we have work to do there, but Europe's our next sort of focus and expansion. And any just popcorn thoughts on, well, tell me what legal ops is like in Europe, in your eyes to date and some of your involvement with CLOCK. Yeah, I mean, I moved into legal ops back in, I think it must have been, yeah, 2018 now, so five years ago. And we in Vodafone had started to do some operations stuff, but it had been managed by different members of the team. I actually went on a secondment to be sort of a chief of staff to our business CEO, which was cool, terrifying. Nightmare. No, a nightmare. (laughs) Yes. But I learned a lot about strategy and operations and things. So for me, when I went back into legal, which I was really happy to do, I thought, well, how do I combine those skills with my legal background as as well? So that's when I agreed with my boss to set up the function so we could actually really give it the focus. And to my delight, actually, one of the first things I'd, I'd pretty much only just got the job and I came to a clock function back in 2018. I remember Richard Siskind was presenting. And what I particularly loved about this industry was how much there was to learn. And so as a lawyer, of course, I've learned lots of things over the years and gained lots of experience, but this opened up a whole kind of sort of sweetie shop of different skills to have, whether that's learning about agile, whether that's learning about tech and whether that design thinking came into the mix. I mean, continuous improvement, psychology behind how things work so you understand change management. The scope of which you have to learn is, I just thought that was just amazing and it's still amazing now I mean of course I've learned more so my learnings up with legal ops but that's what I love that you come to the event you hear people but also of course the networking is really important and it's that one conversation with someone where you think oh I haven't tried that yet that's a new way of doing things so and that is expansive it's like the universe it's just getting bigger isn't it It it's like the universe and we are all just particles floating (laughs) in the universe but the goal is to move from particle to Ray and then beam. I'm reading a lot of neuroscience right now. So just go with me on okay. that one. It's, it's where we all want to be. We want to be a Ray because rays go further and are boundless. And also, I guess, more concentrated, like more direction. Particle sounds a bit, bit Exactly. Random. We're talking about light versus fleck. Yeah. But it kind of relates to what you're saying. There's so much to learn in our space and there's so much we don't know. This industry is still on the newer side of professionalizing. So we're seeing this abundance of startups fill this negative space, but there's there's so much that is not yet solved Yes, that we get to brush up against and go, okay, that's as far as we can go. And then you talked about the myriad skills you need. Strategy, you talked about understanding technology, which isn't simple. There's a lot back there. It's more than just zeros and ones. And then trying to understand psychology so that they, the people, the users can like that thing enough to use it. And you've got to take them on a journey with you to use that rather overused phrase, but truth. The journeying. You can't just say, right, we're changing this. You have to get everybody in the team excited to want to change things, to have a a different culture, a mindset of continuous improving things because you can't do everything. I mean, you're just one person or one small team. 
everybody needs to be on this journey of improving the way we work. And, and yeah, so that's vision and creativity. And then it's an ability to storytell all of that to people in a way that galvanizes them. To A, believe Gosh, you. This sounds like quite a difficult job, actually, doesn't it? It's well, I say I go through all of this <laughs> so that we are all reminded of how difficult I just counted those five skills out of my hand. And the context switching between those skills that we will all encounter, whether we're managing the project or managing the team, the context switching is so great that you should expect your first year to be completely exhausting. I was so exhausted in my first year at this run I'm on. And I'm talking about it all the time. Now that I'm at Netflix for five years, I'm like, God, year one was hard. Year one is hard. Year one is very hard. Every time you switch context to that kind of skill and executing it, your brain's just like, what is happening? We were just getting comfortable understanding tech. And the other thing is the energy has to come from you. Yes. So and you're the source, you're yes, the sun yes. in the solar system. So where do you go to get power? Let me ask you, because I think Shell Nordstrom, our keynote economist, talked about soft skills as the new differentiator of the future amongst all this tech and all this generative AI and AI. What will matter most are your soft skills. And that comes down to leadership. It comes down to mindset. And then some of the soft skills I just highlighted around it. What does Amy, M-C-C-O-N-N-E-L-L, what do you do to have the right mindset to always be, like you just said, kind of self-powered coming in front of your groups to inspire and lead, even though sometimes you may want to throw up in the nearest waste paper basket. I'm always curious <laughs> on is, mindset yeah, formula. Okay, mindset. So like anything from like a walk to I do 30 push-ups, or maybe you intermittent fast. Or maybe you do espresso shots. Maybe you pray. I, someone yesterday said prayer. In the main, I'm naturally motivated to make a difference and get things done. I'm a bit like a, if you give me a list, I want to complete it. A bit like a robot. I must complete that. Yeah, so, we're, we're all a bit psychotic like that. Yeah, collapse. Give so, me a list that I can Give me check. a list that I can check off. So if I write myself a list, then unfortunately it means I have to go and do that list. So I, I'm a bit careful about saying this because then people try and put things on my list. That, that, yeah. but that's, so that's one thing. I like to get things done and make it, see that you're doing something that's making a change. So that naturally motivates me. But you do go through phases of it being particularly challenging time and you're a bit empty. And I, I give myself, I think, right, okay, this is a time where you just need to, just for a few days, just go on the low bit and recharge and then I give myself what I call a, sh a personal shape up. So, so oh, a personal like, shape yeah. up. Yeah, so I was saying, right, just for a bit, you're just going to take it all. You're just going to yeah. low energy, just keep it chill. And then, right now, you need to get out of bed and you need to get on it. Oh, so, okay. Okay. So, so low energy, personal shape up. There's, yeah. it involves a bed. TV, no, does no, TV like really? I do really do that sort of. But like rest, you're saying. Yeah, maybe just, just like not a, driving things. For a a restful state of the mind and the body. Does TV come into play? Are we watching Netflix in there? Is it music? Yeah, but I mean, yes, obviously a bit of just finishing your work at the end of the day and just trying to have some space from it for a moment. Yeah. Just give yourself a little bit of time off and reflection that this is hard and it's okay. And then I'll give myself a 
Is that too much information? No, I want more info. I'm like, what are we watching? If Amy McConnell goes on YouTube, what is it you're watching on YouTube? Well, and that actually, that is another thing. Sometimes you find you just haven't got as many ideas as you used to have. You know, you go for that period of having loads of ideas and then you've, yeah, and you've just and got then you're none. dry. So then you have to go outside and meet people and get those ideas. So, yeah. so clock is a brilliant way to do that. Obviously, there are other things, but it, it, it is getting the outside in for a bit. I recently was besieged by COVID for the first time. Undefeated streak ended after three and a half years. That's good going. Yeah, I'm, I'm truly a you hermit. You must have been a leaderboard. Yeah, I was leaderboard. It was, I thought they would study my DNA. And turns out I'm just mortal like the rest of us. And it was pretty eclipsing of my energy. And I took to bed. Okay. And I took to... Using it also as a nice decompression moment from just all the work and stressors of life. And I went to YouTube and I just set sail on sort of what you said, like ideas, just I hadn't had a free form go for it uh, with uh, TV scripted or unscripted content in a very long time like that. And it was a real flight of fancy for me to just go for it. And I watched a lot of YouTube videos on, I don't know, vlogs, camera gear. I was drawn back into cameras. I'm always looking up audio gear. I let my brain explore some of those topics and hobbies I don't always get around to. And I had so much fun just imagining or just watching others and getting inspired by story. Like people on YouTube are telling stories in video. And when you watch story... You learn how to tell story, which I sometimes think is one of our most needed skills in these roles you and I are in. Storytelling. Because yep, you have to sure. get out in front of people. And even if you don't know what's going on, you got to go, hi, here's the plan. And you have to make it up and be credible and kind of learn how to. I just learned the whole breakdown yesterday of solicitor versus barrister in England and how the legal okay. system yeah. I know. With a brief that yeah. they read before. And, Amazing. And they basically improv. Yep. And they are highly skilled, highly paid to do that. And we have to do that. We are the barristers of vision and the future of how the work gets done in legal without sometimes all the context. And so this period just served as a great recharge for me and a bunch of people telling stories in a different format and showing me there's a beginning, middle and end, and there's a goal and a conflict and a resolution. I was, I was just. You need that time. And speaking of podcasts, being one on, that's another way of getting a lot of information in. Oh, you listen to a lot of podcasts? Yeah. Oh. All, all the time. I'm, I mean, I'm, I've got earphones in most of the time. So my family are mostly, uh, the action to me, take your earphones off. Because if I'm doing a really boring yeah. job. Stick your podcast. What in. do you go for podcasts that are in our field or do you go for other odd topics? Other probably, yeah, broader. But tales, some political, some news, but also just cautionary tales about different stories of things. So anything that yeah, oh, that, that can Okay. So you're a you listener. You're a listener learner. Yeah. And you're so much so that your family is like, Mom, come back. <laughs> yeah. How about dinner? I love that. <laughs> Have you podcasted before? Is it- once. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Once. Mm-hmm. Is this a better so experience than that time? I didn't have such, it was virtual. So in COVID, I didn't have these microphones. I feel like I'm really on a podcast. You're now. really on a podcast. Yeah. These this microphones is, are pro. A step up. There are producers in the room giving yep. a size. 
And but I, I don't have the producer who's usually here counting me down, telling me go left. So I'm in total free form. But this is really fun. And virtual is awesome. It works. But live is. Yeah. Yes. Never done that. This is this is really exciting. Yeah. I'm like throwing energy across the room. Yeah, I'm, catch, I, I'm catching it. I called you a particle. I, t- I called you a ray <laughs> and we went in. Well, Amy, I'm so glad you jumped on impromptu with me today. Thank you. We talked a little about Ops Europe. The new advisory committee is just getting going. Yep. You and a number of other leaders in our region. And we're going to look to you all to be our network eyes and ears on the ground so we can support you in spreading the gospel of what this work is, how hard it is. How hard it is. Yeah. And being community gathering points for people to get together and talk. That's all we want to do. It's just like idea, share, inspire one another. We give all give ourselves some energy and feed each other's energy. That's feed each do. other's energy when we're depleted because the sun does need to rotate into darkness once a day, you guys. So I'm excited to see what you and the others do in the region with us behind you. Let's take over Europe this year and Let's stitch them it. all in. All right. See you soon, Amy. Lovely to speak to you. Bye. Thank you. That about wraps up this episode. Thank you, Amy, for coming on the podcast to share your advice. Catch this and other episodes of Clock Talk wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening. Until next time.